0: All systems ready.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Less Than 10, uh, EVE Online Small Gang PvP Podcast. Today we've got a great show lined up. We're going to talk about uh, new- neutralizers, uh, flying against all the stuff that we talked about in the last episode, like Citadels and Capitals, and we're going to get into alts and small gang. Uh, today on the show we have myself, Feral, and Blood. Say hi, Blood.
0: Yo guys, it's good to be back. I'm really pumped to get to hang out and talk with one of my personal heroes in EVE, and that is our guest, Sutonia.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. I thought he was talking about me for a second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you wish!
1: <laughs> so yeah, Satonya's so on the show today. Uh, if you guys don't know who Satonya is, he's a prominent YouTuber, multi-time AT winner, right? What what teams were you on when you when you won, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I've been on the, the Hydra Reloaded team and the Warlords of the Deep team.
1: Right, and you did. Although
2: they're the same guys, basically.
1: Yeah, and you did two terms on CSM, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I was on CSM 12 and CSM 13, which is the one that just ended recently.
1: Yeah, and on YouTube, he does the Eve is Easy channel. Uh, You know, Kestrel memes, super well-written articles, just super, you know, uh, super big Eve nerd that, you know, I don't know what else to say, but I'm sure you've heard of them. I think
0: one of my (laughs) favorite things in your articles has just been the in-depth mechanics analysis. So I remember at one point, I can't remember if it was an article on HA weapons or if it was on carrier fighter application, but you were giving the the application breakdown compared to like a Vigilant with, you know, blasters. And it putting it in perspective in an article like that just really... Um, brings the, the numeric values to a conceptual understanding that, you know, I'm able to relate to and be like, oh, yeah, no, a blaster vigilant on zero will obliterate my frigate, like, you know, and then kind of building that mental picture is really, really good. So your articles are pretty pretty stellar. And then, of course, you're, like, well-known as a super Eve pickup artist with uh, the the best eve pickup lines
2: in the business <laughs> that's mostly just like really terrible trolling, but okay, yeah,
0: yeah, I remember on Twitter for a while it was just like nonstop like meme tweets like between you and rain of all these eve related pickup lines, i it's like, where are they coming up with this stuff?
1: <laughs> Big brains, my friend, all right, so if uh if the Tony Min show isn't a clue that we've made it, we've also got our first official sponsor so uh and that that is uh the corp in eve called the Azure, which are a c3 null corp and they recently returned to eve uh with the blackout they're a tight core of players going back nine years and they're offering great small gang opportunity and they are recruiting so if you have at least 15 million sp and one racial cruiser to five they want you you can join their public channel called thor pub that's t-h-o-r space pub and get in touch with them they're a great group
0: i think it's really cool that you know, a corp is reaching out, just trying to promote Smuggling, right? That's what our podcast is about, and so it's it's awesome that they're saying, "Hey, like we want more people to get involved in Smuggling, and we want more people to be joining our corp." I checked out their ZKill; it's super active, it you know, um, and so it's really cool just to see that that's having an effect, and we're happy to promote that, you know. So, yeah, and they got yeah. that
1: clutch that clutch null sec static. So
0: Dude, C three null sec are very underrated. A lot of people don't like them because it's hard to like do reliable logistics and get new ships in. But I lived in one solo for like two years. And it's super awesome. They have a higher mass on their static. So you can tend to do stuff in like bigger stuff more often. So you can take out more Black Ops if that's your thing, stuff like that. But I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it makes rolling a little more annoying, but if you have an active group, that's not an issue. And uh, yeah, people tend not to bother you in C3 statics either as much because they just don't think they're that valuable.
1: Yeah, and you get a pretty reliable like the C2s with a C3 static have a high sec static. So if a C2, yeah. if you become the C2 static, you know there's a guaranteed high sec. So that's nice too. So our first topic today is is something that the guys on Declarations of War uh, used to do. My friend Alexi of Card runs that podcast. You should check it out if you haven't. But that's a a topic called Masterclass. And what it is, it's kind of just a deep dive into one thing. In this case, we're going to talk about energy newts. And we're just going to go full bore, Eve nerd, into energy newts um so blood why don't you kind of just uh, start us off and give us the primer on on what needs are
0: yeah so energy neutralizers are a module that can be fitted in a high slot um and they take a certain amount away from the opponent's capacitor pool um and depending on the size and depending on the range that you're at they will take away more uh capacitor and have Differing ranges. So um there's small, medium, heavy that we're gonna be talking about, but there's also capital newts. Uh, and so those uh the unbonused ranges, smalls, just standard um like T two smalls, are five plus two point five falloff. Um mediums go from ten kilometers to fifteen, like is, you know, is their falloff, so 10 plus 5 falloff, and then heavy are 20 plus 10, out, so out to about 30, and uh, they do about 50% of their cap drain at one falloff, and then I believe it's 3% at plus 2 falloff, so um, we'll get into that more as we go forward, but that's the general overview of what they are, and kind of uh, some general ranges.
1: Yeah, um, I remember uh, there was a time when they didn't have fall-off. It was just, you couldn't activate the module unless you were within its optimal range. I can't remember when they made that change. It's got to be two or three years ago at least, right? Yeah,
0: and I remember the Sentinel used to be king because at that point it had really good range. And once you activated it, it hit for the full cap drain amount. And uh, you could just shut someone off like almost instantly.
1: Yeah, it... It also used to be easier to tackle like a, a heavy newt battleship with a, a thing like an interceptor because with a bonus point range, you could actually set up an orbit outside of of like a non-range bonus um, heavy newt battleship, like the Armageddon, for example. So you could set up outside of range and you never get newted. But now with heavy newts reaching out and to fall off, it still hits you. And in the relatively small cap pool of a stilette, of an interceptor, you know it's enough to push you off.
0: Yeah, I think it's been a great change. I, I love it. It adds dynamic, and it adds some challenge to those things. Um, Trying to tackle anything with newts can be kind of challenging.
1: Yeah, Satina, do you find any like uh, really solid newt ships or have any preferred fits when it comes to newts?
2: I've flown the Sentinel quite a lot recently, actually, in a sort of small gang wormhole uh, rooms. It's a uh, really good ship.
1: Well, let's get into all the hulls and just kind of we'll go through them one at a time. Uh, these are just the bonus hulls, uh, so we'll suppose give you guys a, a brief uh, kind of intro to if you want to fly a, a newt specialty ship. These are them. A lot of ships will fit newts that aren't when they aren't bonus to them as a utility uh, slot, but these are the bonus ones. So first off, the ones that Tony just mentioned is the Sentinel. Uh, so since you fly it, why don't you uh, give us a little TL TLDR on the Sentinel?
2: Uh, so the Sentinel is the Tech 2 version of the Crucifier, so it has a huge range bonus to newts. It also has like a strong bonus to uh, Tracking Disruptor or Guidance Disruptor 2, which is also uh, gives it a lot of utility in Small Gang as well. And uh, if you have the Electronic Attack Frigate skill at level 5, then it has a, uh, a 5 times optimal bonus to Energy Neutralizers. So instead of having 5 kilometers on a Small Tech 2, you get 25 kilometers. And uh, with an A-type... Uh, small uh, new you get upwards of 45 kilometers and if you uh abyssal roll them it can go even further so it's uh pretty useful
1: yeah all the guys in chronos that fly sentinels definitely fly like really blingy ones so if you're fighting us shoot the sentinel
0: <laughs> i remember watching videos from ab killer flying sentinels like shield sentinel really blingy um so if anyone's looking or interested in. Seeing how a Sentinel can really be effective as like a force multiplier, um, AB killer. Uh, he has some great videos on kind of showcasing that.
2: Yeah, it's also uh, one of the things that I think you guys probably talked about recently as well is uh, the Ram Jaguars. The Sentinel is very good at shutting them down because you can uh, turn off the MWDs from far away. And then if you need them out, they can't activate their ADC either, which means they just die like five times faster.
1: Yeah, that's like the a hyena plus a sentinel. They're both really good at a uh, EAFs at, at kind of dealing with a few ramjags.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like to do it reliably, you kind of need one of each a hyena and a sentinel. Um, and then I'm always debating in my head which one if I if I only get one, you know, which one would it, would I pick? But the Sentinel is definitely like very, very useful both for the newts and for the tracking disruption.
1: Yeah, the TDs are really strong. Um, so and the Sentinel is is like a, a very high tier um, small gang ship, so if you are kinda looking to fly a powerful uh, frigate to support your gang with, definitely look at the sentinel. Um, so moving on to another frigate hall is the Kruor, which is uh, one of the uh, Blood Raider faction ships. Um, so it has a bonus to uh, just drain amount, not range bonus. So just strictly the amount that the newts uh, drain, um, and then it also has some other bonus, like it gets a web range bonus, I believe. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's a bit of an oddball ship actually. It, <laughs> there's uh, like kind of two lines of thinking with it. I think you to make the crew org effective though as sort of a, as a solo PvP ship, you kind of have to bling it out. You really want to buy A-Type uh, NOS for the crew because it doesn't have uh, a range bonus. Because with A-Type Nosferatu, I believe it gets nine kilometer base range, which is perfect because then you can scram kite with beams at eight to nine kilometers. And uh, the, the other way that people tend to fly it is to try to fly it like a Imperial Navy slicer that has just a 20 kilometer web.
1: Yeah, I guess we we didn't really touch on the whole Nosferatu thing, but all the Blood Raider ships have a uni- very unique bonus in that um, the the NOS the bonus to newts also applies to Nos's and they I don't know if you guys if, if anyone's listening that's been playing you for a while, but any new players won't remember this. Back in the day, uh, Nosferatus drained the ship, the captor, capacitor of the targeted ship and gave it to you regardless of their cap level, but they made a change a while ago where it's now dependent on the target's ship, uh, their total capacitor. So I think it's something like, I don't remember the exact math, if it's more than your total capacitor, it drains its full amount, I believe.
2: Yeah, you can only drain from an enemy ship if they have a lower uh, current capacitor total than yourself. So generally they're very powerful frigates, but you can't, for example be in a battleship and drain from a scepter, which you used to be able to do if you were like under cat pressure and the scepter wasn't, you could just like, well, your you not one cycle and drain the cat.
1: Right. But on the Blood Raider ships, they, uh, they work like the old ones do. So they drain regardless of the targeted ship's capacitor level. I've never really flown the crew myself. I don't know. I, I don't really have a lot of experience with it. It sounds cool. I like the Navy Slicer with the long web kind of idea. But uh, maybe I'll fit one up soon and try and solo with it.
0: Yeah, I think especially the Balgorn, or sorry, the Ashamu and the Kruor. The Balgorn has kind of a different role in like a heavy armor, like more fleet coordinated situation. But the Ashimu and the Crewer, I think one of the issues they run into, as well as just being T1 resistance holes, um, they kind of, and like you know standard signature radius, damage just kind of ends up sticking to them pretty easily and um and that kind of uh limits their capability to stay on grid and really be useful in a
1: small gang as well. Yeah, and no MWD sig reduction too like an AF, so
2: Yeah, they they also sort of suffer from uh having one less mid slot than they probably should have to be like viable for any kind of shield comp.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh so Yeah, moving on from the core, the Dragoon's always been a weird one to me. It has a 20% optimal bonus and 10% falloff. So it just has a little bit of range bonus. But uh, most of the time, Dragoons only fit like three newts, and then they're trying to use like their turret slots or um, put missiles on. And so it's always been something where anytime I've seen it flown or I've flown it myself, tends to be kind of like using the newts as like a defensive kind of situation or like um, kind of like or, or scram kiting where it's not like a hard commitment with the newts because they don't have a ton of them. They can't just like completely newt something out. And so it's always been like trying to be on the fence between two metas. And uh, it's like, I don't know. It's just never really clicked in my head of like the, the best way to use a dragoon effectively
2: yeah it's pretty unviable for a small gang unfortunately uh something that a lot of the tech one destroyers suffer from is uh, they're really slow and the dragoon is uh exceptionally slow i think it, the only ship is faster than is the corex it's like a, actually slower than like a mower or a or a mauler or something
1: <laughs> all right we'll get into the next one because yeah i like i i don't I think I've flown a dragoon, but it's been years, and I actually put this list together and I forgot about it. Sutonia pointed out that I forgot about it, so that's how much the dragoon means to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the only place it exists really is in a small plexes in factional warfare. It doesn't really exist anywhere else.
1: So if you're a, a faction war guy, warfare guy that likes to, you know, plex in a dragoon, hit us up. Let, let us see your fits and, and what works for you so that I can be further, further educated on the way of the dragoon.
0: I think the only other time I've flown it is in, like, smaller tournament-type things where rules are restricting you and you have to fly a Dragoon somewhere. <laughs> and then it usually is the first thing to die, like an even T. I think it just, like, every time it's the t one Destroyer that gets, like, destroyed off the field pretty quick.
1: Nice. So next up is the Pilgrim. Uh, the Pilgrim is one of two Amar recon ships, the Tech-2 Cruisers. Pilgrim is interesting. Uh, a couple of years ago, again, there was a change. I believe before it didn't have a range bonus, right? It was just a full drain amount bonus. I think that's correct. But now it's got a 20% to optimal, 10 fall off. So a smaller range bonus and then a big drain amount bonus. So 50% uh, to the drain amount per level of... of uh, I believe it's the recon skill for, for that one. Um, so your ranges end up T2, Newts will hit at 20 and an A-type to about 33. Uh, so the pilgrim is the uh force recon that means it has a covered ops cloak so it's it's the first ship in our list that can fit a covered ops cloak that has newts so you can you can kind of with a types especially you can be uh for far enough away to avoid getting scram kind of kite if you wanted to which i've seen some fits like that hunting ratters kind of fit the same way like the shield stradios uh basically Kills Riders with with medium newts and uh, a light shield tank kites and uses drone damage. So similar to that, but obviously you get the bonus to the range and newt amount, so you newt much harder.
0: Yeah, the most common thing a pilgrim is used for, though that I've seen, is lighting sinos or black ops sinos. Um, just it also it gets this like unrelated to the newt topic, but it gets a reduction in sinosaural field like time. So I believe it's 5 minutes instead of 10 on an active Sino, like hard Sino. And uh, it can light co-op Sinos as well. So uh,
1: Yeah, 30 second co-ops, I lot. think, right? 30 yeah, second yeah. yeah.
0: So um, that's where like those recons tend to be employed a lot. Um, but yeah, the thing I've found with the Pilgrim every time I've flown it is I feel like its damage is just like kind of anemic. <laughs> it's not... It's not quite as, like, damage heavy as, like, a curse, but um, and it doesn't have the same range, but it's, like, you're more relying on your co-ops uh, to provide you with, uh, like, a, a little bit more ambush-type activity um, and, and give you an advantage that way, which is definitely useful
1: yeah I've seen really blingy pilgrim fits to to hunt like deity people and stuff like that like super blingy but like you say the damage, the damage just really isn't there
2: yeah and what, one of the problems you have when you're uh solo is uh your, you the your time to kill is super important because every second that you're not that the person you're fighting's not dead is another second that you know someone else is gonna come in and either force you off or kill you so Like, having, like, really... This is the reason why I don't really like flying uh, ships like the Pilgrim is because it takes so long to kill someone. Even if you drain all of the... Even if you drain, like, a Rattlesnake of all of its cap, it's still going to take you, like, three minutes plus to kill it with your just medium drones. So, like, a lot of the time, like, something else is just going to come in and, like, force you to leave.
1: Yeah, I think you'd be real hard-pressed to hit 300 DPS in a Pilgrim. Like, you'd have to... Devote some fitting slots and use some pretty fancy drones to hit 300 DPS. So, all right, how about the pilgrim's uh, non-cloaking sibling, the curse? Who wants to tackle that one?
0: The curse is dope. <laughs> also, with the the blackout changes, I don't. I haven't seen more people using curses, but I know that the market went crazy on them for a while. But they have a longer range than the Pilgrim, and a bit better fitting, and do more damage, um, and you cannot see them on D-Scan. So the combination of those things, obviously you're not warping Covert, um, which might give you some trouble like escaping bubbles and stuff, but the, the Curse definitely has a more extended range that it can engage at with its newts. And that does make it pretty useful sometimes in some small gang. Uh, We've run curse a couple of times in like our when we're using cruisers and kind of some bigger stuff. And like a shield curse with A type newts hits out to 50k. Uh, So it can with A type medium, sorry. uh, Yeah, hits out to 50k and can just has a, a really strong. Um, drain amount, so it gets forty percent to optimal, twenty percent to fall off, and twenty percent to drain amount. So uh, it's it's very strong in that regard. And then T two has a thirty kilometer optimal, a bit shorter, but um, you know plus ten fall off, I believe. So like forty k, you're still doing a really respectable amount of nuding, um, and it's it's just really flexible in dealing with a lot of active tanks. You can shut down.
1: Again, yeah, in the, the new bonus applies to small newts too, so um, and heavy newts for that matter, but a lot of curse fits will if they don't have the power grid to you know fit a full rack of medium newts, which is uh, really no curses do that, they'll mix in a couple smalls and even like an A-type small hits out to twenty-seven optimal and then plus another nine. So, you know, if you're fitting up your curse, definitely uh, look at the small newts as well to kind of make some fitting room. But, I mean, you can really find curses in all aspects of EVE. So I, I know people have PvE'd them because they're de-scan immune. So in, like, low sec, people will do DED, like, low-end DEDs in them because they're, you know, de-scan immune. So that people won't see them. Uh, as mentioned, they kind of have flown in small gang. Uh, there's a – this is awesome. There was a DED hunter fit. This dude was flying them around in null sec, you know, tackling people like maze runners and things like that and killing them. And he made a video on it. And then shortly after that, uh, he's playing a very blingy DD uh, TD Hunter curse, right? And then shortly after that... Yeah, and I think he was in, like, High grade
0: Asclepians as well.
1: Yeah. Another guy released a video of, like... I can't remember what the title of the video was. I'll try and find it and put it in the show notes. But the guy basically regurgitated the curse video title, saying, like, the reality of it. And it was just him dying in, in mazes. <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> yeah, because he... I mean, there's some nuanced things, like, high-grade Asclepians, you probably have to know the maze like pretty well, understand wh- how how much incoming damage in, like, the last room, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, that other guy tried to just copy and mimic, and maybe missed one of those things or something. Like, maybe he was running mid-grade Asclepians to high-grade, or maybe he didn't have drugs, something like that, but he just kept dying. <laughs> like <laughs> And I saw others on the Killboard, too. Like, the the two weeks after that video went on Reddit, like, there were a lot of curses dying.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then also in the probing grounds, in the um, the uh, Abyssal PvP, like, curses are are pretty front and center there as well, so.
2: Yeah, it used to be, like, one of the, like, core main free ships that people flew. Like, for a while, The before the uh, Iki Ik- came out, the Ikithursa, or however you say that ship name, there used to be that kind of rock-paper-scissors between, uh, like, Diamos, Curse, and, uh, d
1: Yeah, and the Curse is the Sentinel's, like, big brother, I guess you could say, in a way. Um, so they also, it also gets the bonus to the Tracking Disruptor. It's a lot less, uh, used, that bonus, because typically you'll use your mids for shield tanking and your lows for nano and or cap, um. Sometimes, you you know, you might see an armor one with a TD or a shield one with, like, a single TD uh, slot. So, yeah. I don't know. Do you fly the Curse much, Setonia? I have a little bit, but...
2: I've flown a little bit, but I have flown the Sentinel a lot more than the Curse just because of, you know, like, Wormhole Mass reasons, etc.
1: Yeah, and I did mention something interesting before here when I was talking about the Newts, uh, the other sizes applying, and that's the Heavy Newt. So there is a very niche Heavy Newt Curse, which Alpha's a ton of cap and has an optimal of around 70 to 80. And you could Abyssal roll it for even more. Um, so huge new Alpha out to a, a faraway range. The bad thing is you pretty much have to gimp a lot of your fitting to, to get that in.
2: Yeah, actually, I think I think someone tried to uh, kill Zarvox if that one. I assuming you guys have seen the, uh, the Whiptail video of him losing his Whiptail. There's like a clip of him be like 90 kilometers from a curse and just gets his uh, cap Alfred while there's a daredevil ramming him, which is <laughs> re- pretty funny.
0: Ouch.
1: Yeah, I have seen that one and uh, I'll find it and put it in the show notes for you guys because it was a really entertaining fight. Zarbox is so entertaining to watch and he kind of just memes around with his whip tail getting chased by all the things and survives a lot longer than he should have.
0: So moving on to the Ashimu. That's the Big Brother Kurar. It's the cruiser variant of the Blood Raider ship hull. So it has the same um, Nos bonus uh, that can be draining, even if someone's capacitor pool is empty, and a fifteen percent drain amount. Um, yeah, not much to say here. It you know it's a it's a cruiser Blood Raider ship. It does okay damage um, with like pulse lasers, uh, and you can kind of do some nano stuff with it with like flying like an omen navy issue that has what a 20k web and defensive Nosses and yeah you can you can have some fun with it i've seen some really cool uh videos from lucy Lou flying Ashimus. um and he he can he's had some really effective uh, fights in them they're pretty cool to watch
2: yeah, one of the cool things about the Ashmoor actually is because it's like so niche and because uh, Blood Raiders are farmed to death because of Delve being just, you know, filled with people, like Ashmoor holes are actually uh, very cheap. They're You can normally get them for like around 50 million ISK on buy orders or, you know, like under 60 on sale orders. So uh, they, despite it being like a pirate cruiser, they're actually normally cheaper than most Navy cruisers.
0: Yeah, that's actually crazy. Yeah, osprey navies are right around. I think they're like forty eight ish, and um, I don't even know how much a nomi navy issue is, but I'm guessing it's probably more than an Ashmu, Actually,
1: that's crazy. I can't believe how much how cheap stuff is now. Like that. Like, I remember when Cinnables, they just seemed so expensive to me back in the day.
0: Well, but now like, but gilas are like a uh, hundred and ninety, right? And they came. They come from the same main source of getting them, right? Like DDs and LP store. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, supply and demand, I guess. I don't know. I, I've mostly... Well, I've never yeah, the fly. Best yeah. supply. <laughs> That's right. I haven't really flown the Ashimu too much. Most of the time when I see an Ashmu, I'm flying against it. I, I think it's pretty common for a lot of the uh, like null groups when they're like, all right, you're roaming my space. Like, I'm going to put a... Bu-, like, a lot of time they're buffer, like a buffer Ashmu on the gate. Yeah. Like,
0: and they'll have me. large usually.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a very it's it's a good ship kind of if you're solo or in a kitchen sink you don't know what you're doing. Like it, it suffers from the same problem that the crew suffers from that we mentioned earlier, in that like, it, you know, in in a like more focused like small gang, like if I want webs, I'd rather be in like I'd rather have a Huguen or a Hyena. If I want newts, I'd rather have the Curse or the Sentinel. If you want like damage, you'd rather ha- probably have like an Omen Navy or an orus or something. But uh, it does a, it does all of those things kind of well. Like, and it's also pretty good for for gate campers too because it has like the twenty kilometer webs. It's tanky enough that it can actually get saved. It does a respectable amount of damage, so it just kind of does like three things at once.
1: Yeah, common theme. All right, let's get into the Legion. So the Legion is unique in that you know it's a tech three, only tech three in the list, and it has a subsystem uh, called the Energy Parasitic Complex sub. And what that does is give it a 10% drain amount and 10% benefit of overheating the newt and also a reduction in the fitting of newts. And that's per level on the mount and everything. So the Legion is my favorite Tech 3 to fly. Like I, I've mentioned in the past, I fly a Kiting Legion Rapid Light Drone Fit with two uh, A-type newts. So you effectively have three A-type newts. Type newts when you factor in the drain amount bonus for the cap cost of two which is really beneficial um, on the overheating uh, when you overheat a newt it increases or sorry decreases its cycle time not so the amount isn't any different it just you know hits faster um, but there are you know dedicated newt legion fits that people will blops with or use in wormholes and things like that where it's just straight up newt legion that's it and they're pretty effective at that role.
0: Yeah, they have a pretty quick cycle time, especially with the overheat, and so you can newt, like, extremely hard, like, harder than some battleships. Um, so they're just really effective, and then that cycle time allows you to maintain, once you've capped somebody out, to maintain them being capped out. Um, so really useful a lot in, in uh, wormhole fights, for sure.
2: Yeah, one of the things we didn't really touch upon is uh, every size of new progressively gets double the cycle time. So small newts have a cycle time of 6 seconds, medium newts have a cycle time of 12 seconds, and heavy have a cycle time of 24 seconds. And one of the things uh, you'll see in ships like Balgon or Armageddon uh, when people are flying them solo is they deliberately uh, space their new activations out because they have a 24-second cycle time. It, it, if you run them both together like it can be nice sometimes just to alpha the cap or something but then they have like 23 seconds where they're just gonna be able to regenerate and for example a cap booster cycle cycle time is 10 seconds and reload time is 10 seconds as well so like if you're playing against us like one heavy new generally like it doesn't really affect someone if they have like a medium cap booster and they're timing it to like hit it as soon as you uh finish nuding them so then they get like the full like they get like a full like 24 seconds of having cap.
1: Yeah, and speaking of heavy newts, let's uh, let's move right into it. Why don't you take the Balgorn, satonia
2: Yeah, so the Balgorn is probably one of the most seen uh, faction battleships in the game. I think it has a really, it's really stro- it's uh, like a really strong solo ship. It's uh, really good, gu- really good in sort of armor rule comps. Like wormhole wormholders use them quite a lot because you can bring like a ton of muting on them because they have like seven low slots and like. Pirate battleship HP, you can get like a decent tank on them too, like 200k EHP or above. And uh, y- yeah, I think they like a full new Balgon can you out, like, like, if you have two of them, they can drain like the typical, like, non cap booster, like, facts out pretty quick.
1: Yeah, they they are used a lot for that huge new pressure. And uh, they also get that uh, the Nos acts like the newt bonus from the uh, Blood Raiders line. And they get the web bonus from also the, the Blood Raider one. Um, so uh, you mentioned the, the nano kind of solo fit. I, I have this really entertaining Balgorn fit, kind of a dual nano, single polycarb fit with Lynx and mid-grade snakes. You can push it past 2K without heat, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, triple heavy newt with pulse lasers. With Scorch, you're looking at like a over 40 kilometer optimal. It's pretty dope.
2: Yeah, it's, it's also uh, uh, flown, like, alongside, alongside caps a lot, uh, alongside, like, core dreads recently, just because of the uh, the webs on it can reach out pretty far, like, with links and the heat. On just Tech2, you can get, like, beyond 30-kilometer webs, so it's really good at, like, supporting things like carriers and, like, cordreds and stuff, too.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of just, like, you can put a new, balgorn on the field and uh it's kind of just like saying all right like you know escalate on me like bring your caps i don't really care i'm just gonna nuke them out
0: well it's like you have to deal with that Balgorn because you know it's either like break that balgorn or your logic are gonna get out <laughs> you know the, that's the option right so
1: yeah so super strong ship uh strongest in the blood raider line they definitely improve in in you know, uh, power as you get larger in that line. So, Balgorn, top, top Blood Raider ship, for sure.
0: Yeah, and there's not, you know, a battleship equivalent of a curse, right, like there are in the in the cruiser. Um, and so that's where the Balgorn kind of, that's why it has its role, as the really, the yeah. strong, heavy, you know, hard, nuding ship. Um, in that regard, I guess the Armageddon can sometimes be used in that role, which will we're talking about now. It has a range bonus, though, instead of a drain amount. So, it's like you're trading off. Because, like, say you have a Balgorn, but you, you know, are kind of at a little bit of an extended range or something, um, then the Geddon is actually potentially going to be more effective because of falloff. So, (laughs) in AT, we actually used our first year a flag armageddon a because we were poor um but b because it suited our our strategy a little bit more for some of our kiting comps and in that year it was mostly battlecruiser core stuff and um it actually like i don't know it worked out kind of well but but also you know on tq you'll see geddon's show up a lot in a fight when we're kiting to try and just shut you down because it is essentially like a 50k uh, area that 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 need extends out to instead of just like roughly thirty. Um, so with the the Geden AT two has the optimal range of thirty k, um, but it I think it goes out to like forty eight. So it gets pretty pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, it's it's also uh, it also does a lot of, a lot of like uh, DPS and applies really well to kuzes T. The Armageddon has a uh, a drone bonus so can use a ton of drones it has the same drone bay as a dominic so it can have three flights of heavies or you can do like two flights of heavies two flights of mediums one flight of lights which is what most people do but then also uh it it doesn't have uh, any bonuses bonuses to guns or missiles but it does have like five missile hard points and five turret hard points it's very common to see you know like five rapid heavies fit on them i've seen like some like defense gangs fit five rapid lights on them too
0: when Rapid Lights would free up a ton of hitting for uh, for Tank too. like that'd be pretty that'd be so hard to deal with actually now that I'm thinking about that, like Rapid Lights that hit out to like 48 or something, 47 kilometers and meanwhile you're getting hit with like a, a Heavy Newt that does its full co- capturing at that range, you know like that'd be insane.
1: Alright, and then there's one more battleship we almost forgot. Um, or just the ship line altogether, and that's the Tricolavian ships. They have a uh, kind of obscure bonus to newts that no other ships really see, and that is they have a reduced newt cap use. So that's like the cap that it pulls from your ship when you activate the neutralizer. So, you know, no bonus to range, no bonus to newt amount. um, And that actual unique bonus to the Tricolavian ships extends to basically all utility high module slots. So like RR, remote reps, uh, smart bombs, etc. So, you know, tr- uh, newts are very strong on even ships, but only because it uses less cap, not because they newt harder or longer.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a, a half bonus. It's not yeah. not full bonus.
1: <laughs> Those are all the ships that kind of excel at using newts. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how they're used to close this out. So we'll classify this um, in in two ways. You can use them offensively or defensively. So offensively, those are going to be those ships like uh, the New Legion, the Balgorn. You know that's accompanying capitals. You're using it to break active tanks of of large ships of large you know hod uh, like dreads or faxes, etc. Or you're using it to break active tanks of you know a a large uh, active tank um, sub like a Marauder or. Or even a cruiser, you know, that has just a huge active tank. Um, you can shut off the hardeners on those ships. You can, you know, use help your gang apply damage, and by shutting off hardeners, and you can uh, newt their ability to use active tanks. Basically, so I don't know. That pretty much sums up offensively. Do you guys have anything to add?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, obviously bonus tolls are super effective. At that, but even ships that have like two utility highs are really good to mix into your gang. like i don't know the tempest usually a lot of times people fit two heavy newts on and it just shuts down you know opposing battleships or cruisers you can kind of shut them off nightmares are really really versatile um as far as their tank anyways um and they have the ability or the the fitting a lot of times to do two heavy newts as well and so when you're using that and you end up coming up against something with a heavy tank and you can slam those heavy newts on, uh, that can really make it so that time to kill is, is much faster for your gang.
1: Precisely. And that's how a lot of the DD hunting ships, um, their damage isn't very high and those ships' tank super hard, but they, a lot of them will use newts to break them much faster. So that's, that's using them offensively. Alternatively, you could use them defensively, um, things like nuding off tackle, counter-nuding, so like applying your nudes to another newt ship to relieve new pressure on your gang. Um, and you can also use it to shut off, to remove damage from ships by shutting off lasers, hybrids, or the entropic disintegrators, which are the Triglavian weapons.
0: And with the, the disintegrators, it's like really key because... Uh, they they do take only a small amount of cap to run, but if you happen to shut it off, then because of their uh, increasing damage mechanic, that will get reset, and that can be the difference between, you know, taking 1,000 DPS for a portion of time, and then, you know, you just happen to cycle it right, get them capped, and it turns off their gun. Now, all of a sudden, that ship is only doing... 300 or 400 DPS the next time they start uh, shooting. And so that can be really critical.
1: And also with nuding off tackle, it's kind of similar. You know, the tackle mods themselves take a relatively small amount of capacitor. But if you time your cycle right, where uh, their cap hasn't regen for a tick uh, while their tackle mod is about to, you know, um, come off cycle and and reapply essentially, uh, it just won't go on you. And a lot of people won't notice that. So, you can kind of use that two ways. Use it like actively, just kind of like, haha, they lost point on me. Or if you're trying to escape, you could, like, say, in a heavy new battleship, you could try and shock newt an interceptor. And you're just spamming warp. You're you're waiting. You're watching that icon. The second that thing drops, you're already aligned and you're warping off. So, that's kind of how you nude off tackle.
2: Yeah, they're they're also super, sorry, they're also super useful for, uh, like, countering other opposing E ships, too. Like uh, Sentinel or Curse, for example, very good at like shutting down like the enemy hyena or you know like a logistics ship.
1: Yeah, they're they're really strong against logistics ships too. Yeah, that's for sure. I haven't really ever thought about or using jams. them against. Yeah, I haven't really thought about using them against E-War ships. That's uh, a really really good point.
0: Yeah, against jams, especially now that you can lock a ship that's trying to that has effectively jammed you. So, say a Falcon jams a Curse that curse can still lock that falcon and then hit it with newts and jams take a lot of capacitor um to to run so you can essentially shut down a a jamming ship that is you know that is jamming you um, which i think is pretty cool uh i don't i've never been a fan of jams so i'm I'm okay with that (laughs)
1: like how about a a small gang carries like that you know a long newt ship would like carries are already a very uh, difficult ship to manage your cap on correctly, so like that little bit of newt pressure would just be really troubling. All right, so we'll move on to our last little discussion on newts, and that's how you can defend against newts. So we mentioned they all have a range. Kite, uh, kite harder, <laughs> outrange them. <laughs> The most obvious for a small ganger, but let's say you're, uh, let's say you're, you know, not kiting, you're brawling or something like that. How can you defend against newts then?
0: And cap boosters with good micromanagement are, re- you know, very helpful. Cap boosters with bad micromanagement uh, less useful.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like mentioned, if you're if you're getting newted by, uh, let's say, the one newt, uh you know it's just like one new like it's the utility high on a battleship or something then you should probably set your uh make sure you're injecting as soon as the new effect hits you so in that way you get like more uptime with with capacitor uh, another thing that uh people don't do all that much because it's generally impractical impractical to do so is to uh, carry smaller cap Cap charges than you used to. Like in the AT, we had like, I think like Navy 150s or something for small cap boosters in case we were like completely muted out in frigates because you you could, because you get like so many more like cycles with them, you actually end up like getting more cap.
1: Yeah, because you could cap inject and then immediately activate a module that uses that cap you just injected. So if you can inject more frequently, you end up with more module uses. I'm, I'm assuming that's the theory, right?
2: Yeah, like there's much less downtime.
1: Cool, and then there's another module uh, mid-slot similar to the Cap Booster called Cap Battery. Um, very common on cruisers to fit like a faction uh, oversized Cap Battery. Um, so the large. And what Cap Batteries do is they increase your uh, Cap Pool, which inherently increases your regen, uh, like your raw Cap regen per second. And then also gives you a built-in resistance to energy neutralizers. So when a newt hits you, it does less than it would otherwise. So you can build some really insane uh, cap fits in with combinations of you know cap regen rigs, cap boosters, cap regen modules, some pretty crazy stuff that's very resistant to newts and has a ton of regen without boosting.
2: Yeah, it's very common actually on uh, a lot of the uh, heavy assault cruisers, like the Vagabond, Damos and Sacrilege, are seen with them uh, quite often. You can also see it on a few uh, like tech free cruisers too. Like There's some like solo Legion fits and solo Loki fits that use them too.
0: I remember before the T3 rebalance, the uh, Perma tank Tangu that could tank like 4k DPS was like really a a common practice to see um and that was all based off of the the cap battery being the the key like pivotal part i think uh, i can't remember i think the that fit usually had like two cap batteries um on it yeah and i think they have a really strong insane
1: a really strong subsystem bonus as well for it like just compounding
2: yeah, I think you get something like five percent to cap amount per level too. So you're like getting twenty five percent on top of the like huge cap pool that you have.
1: Yeah, it's pretty sick. And the last thing you can kind of do to defend against newts this is a uh, very situational, but that's using like a fast cycle nos to keep your low cost modules running. So let's say you're in like a, a tackle like a, a ramjag and you wanted to like put some nos in your high slots so that when you get newted out. You could still hold tackle on something Uh, and this is pretty common in like you know heavy tackle type ships like a scram web or scram hard tackle ships to kind of use a nos and non-bonus nos just you know you're just going to roll up and and use that nos to try and suck a little bit of cap out and uh, keep kind of stuff running
2: yeah, and because because uh, the nos cycles every two point five seconds, and I think most tackle modules in the game, with the exception of the grappler, they have a five second cycle time. So if you activate the nos and the and a scram at the same time, then the uh, the nos will pull in cap just as your scram cycle starts. So it's very hard to uh, new out the scram, and it's just like I think it's almost impossible to like new off the scram for, from a malediction, for example, that has a nos.
1: All right. Well. That was a very in-depth look at uh, Energy Newts. That's our first uh, masterclass. Again, I coined that term from Declarations of War. I like it. So let us know if you guys like the masterclass on, on Energy Newts. And uh, we'll throw it in the mix more often on, on other topics if you guys like it.
0: Yeah, I think right off the top of our head, I think the tracking disruption could be a, a great one down the line. Um, things kind of mechanics that you have questions about. Um, are always something that can be suggested as well, and yeah, we'll, we'll dive into it.
1: If you guys make it too confusing, we'll have to have Satonia on again, though, to school us, because some of the stuff in Eve is, whew, over my head. <laughs> so moving into the next uh, major topic we have here for you guys tonight, which is uh, flying against all the broken shit we talked about from last episode. So we got pretty dark last episode. You know, it was kind of a good theme, because we were talking about Blackout as well. But uh, we're going to shy away from the negativity that we encountered last last episode and we're just going to talk about what you guys can do when you're flying against that stuff so quick overviews of what it is and then what you can do in a small gang when you know x and y are on grid with you and just
0: to recap last episode we talked about kind of how small gang has gotten to a point where it's there's a lot of challenges and there hasn't been as much content that's kind of where that whole conversation led but whether it's talking about citadels or talking about frigate fights the one of the best ways to figure out how you can play with a mechanic that is challenging to you is just to educate and to become more knowledgeable about that subject um so if you keep if flying frigates in faction warfare low sec, and you keep dying to fire tails. Um, then, like educating yourself on what the most common fits are, what the ranges of their ammos are, uh, what the fitting restrictions, you know, uh, because of power grid, uh, what those fitting restrictions kind of lead to. That's a, one of the best ways to end up becoming, you know, developing strategies for fighting them. Likewise, we're going to be talking about citadels. Um, We're going to be talking about capitals and we're going to be talking about the information on some of those uh, mechanics or modules and then some strategies of how to fight around them or fight on grid with them or some of those kind of tactics that allow you to still have uh, an engagement or a a, a good fight um, with those mechanics in play, and yeah, hopefully make a pretty positive, um, educational kind of chat.
1: Yeah, and we we'll start off just kind of going through citadels. So, I mean, I've seen countless people die on citadels due to like with with damage from the citadel, both directly and uh, people using citadels to help a gang on grid catch and apply to, to kiting ships so the straight you know quick and dirty on on citadels is they can fit mid-slot tackle mods uh, they are unique nothing else in the game is really like this because they have a, a activation time of 30 seconds a cycle time and then they uh, essentially go and cool down for 60 seconds so if a citadel does tackle you uh, in 30 seconds that, that tackle is going to drop and they can't re-tackle you with that module. So I know I'm sure they could do tricky things like staggering webs or points, I, I believe, right? But uh, as far as like most of the time when I've been tackled by a citadel, I'm just trying to survive until it drops and I then I leave. And the ranges are extremely long, <laughs> like stupid long. Yeah. Uh, And
0: the ranges that we're going to talk about are all from the outside edge of the Citadel. So there's the actual image that you're seeing, but the Citadel structure model is to the edge of tethering, like the the actual gold ring that you see around the Citadel structure. That's where range, quote-unquote, starts. That's zero. Um, So whether it's your cloak and you know uh, getting decloaked by a citadel you might be 50 kilometers away from what you think is actually the citadel and it will decloak you um <laughs> so so the ranges are are very long but then add in the tether range and you're looking at probably like another 30 to 40 50k depending on what the structure is
1: so the basically if you're within anywhere from you know under 100 you're at risk of getting scrammed, uh, Anything within 300, you can get tackled. Uh, webs go to 200. Um, some some fit Ewar like jams, paint, stuff like that. Um, they can paint you out like 75 plus 150 for fall off, and they can nude out to 100 plus 100. So really, really big range, big sphere of influence. Um, so they also can put out damage quite a bit. It depends if they're sub fit or capital fit, right? So if they're capital fit for damage, they're they're going to be do very little damage to you if they're subfit. They can do a substantial amount of damage to you. Um, so, what kind of stuff are you looking at when you're when you're flying in on grid with a citadel? So let's say let's say there's a ship that you caught on a citadel grid that you got a tackle mod on before it tethered.
2: I think the most common situation that I see uh, fights on citadels happen uh, is on Aphnor's where there's miners. And you're attacking the people who are out mining on the rocks, which is about 120 kilometers away from the Athenor.
1: Yeah, I've I definitely caught people like that, and even like uh, the boosting ships when they all warp back to the Athenor, you'll they'll have aggression from boosting, and you tackle it like right on the edge of the Athenor. Um, so personally, when I do that, I'm looking at the Citadel, and I'll I'll look at its like bracket on my screen because it'll have a number in at the end of its name and that number indicates how many people are docked so if, if there's zero good to go
2: yeah as long as no one is actually docked inside the citadel there can't be someone inside the gunner seat. Uh, another strategy too is like if you kind of know the area is like you can also like double click on like the the guys names because normally in like, like no like, for example the, the only people that can fly uh, citadels are characters that ha- that are like directors or you know people who uh, have like a POS gunner role or something, and normally there'll be like a title in their uh, like character like the character title, that's it that says that like corp title. So you can also like you know like double click on the names and local, I mean, not during the blackout obviously, but before that's one of the things you could do as well to kind of check to see if they have like a gunner around.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think so. No matter what structure you're fighting on, I think checking to see who's, you know, if there's someone docked, that's obviously that's very key. I think the other thing I tend to look at is, I act differently depending on what citadel I'm on. Um, it it a lot depends on their slot layout and how many like missiles or newts that they can fit, how many mids they have. Um, so, the the engineering structures are like less dangerous. Um, the Athanor has three high slots, but can only fit one missile, and it doesn't have fighters. Whereas something more like a Fortizar that has the ability to deploy fighters um, and can definitely have tackle and a point defi- defense system is a lot scarier. So I think that's the other, like, consideration I tend to have is, okay, is someone docked? If so, um, what structure am I fighting on, and what's the potential threat level? Uh, for that citadel,
2: yeah. So, there's a uh, so generally, I'd say like uh, fighting on like a Rotaru, uh, an Afanor or an Astra House is generally okay. Astra House might be a bit spooky if it's like actually guns, uh, what because they can because they can deploy fighters and uh, unlike the tackle modules that have a cooldown, like they have a 30 second. Uh, cycle time Then they're off cooldown for 60 seconds and you, you can only fit one scram on a structure so you, you can't hold anyone down for like more than 30 seconds they can fit siren fighters which is like a big sort of break point for the Astra house is that they can actually keep you permanently tackled and one yeah. of the scariest things, I think, uh, w- when you're at zero on the structures, like if you're ganking a Sino or someone who left boosts on or, you know, like some carrier guy who was in a side and then he walked to the Citadel without recording fighters, those are the most common situations I think you get a fight on a Citadel from is uh, y- you can get perma jammed by uh, one script. Like if they have an ECM with the right script, I think it has 45 strength. And it goes out to 100 kilometers, which that pretty much like perma jams almost every ship in the game. That's a sub capital ship that doesn't have like some really bizarre like mass sensor booster setup. So you can just get like perma jammed and then tackled by like a siren from the Astra House. And then there's no way for you to lock the siren to kill it. And then you're just held there indefinitely
0: to die. Yeah, that's so brutal. And uh, I guess you might have the potential to outrun it if it's MWD cycle. But if if you're nude,d or something, then it's just gonna permal tackle you and you're your host, which is like super brutal.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the point defense system that we mentioned earlier is basically just like a, a massive small bomb. I think it does around five thousand alpha. It's around four thousand five thousand damage per cycle time. I think it cycles every ten to twelve seconds or so. So you're you're basically looking at like sitting on like two small bomb materials, pretty much. While you're while you're like at zero on it.
0: Yeah, and it applies perfectly to frigates. It's, it's um it's it's just a big death sphere, which is uh super brutal to deal with. Um so if you're in if you're in anything small, you I think you have like well, potentially if you're it depends on which small ship. In a retrie, I think you can survive like one cycle of it. Um maybe the same with a uh, an interceptor, but uh, y- you do not want to get a second cycle on you. Um, you'll you'll straight up die. Uh, so it's pretty brutal. Um, citadels also commonly are fit in two ways. One is to be focused on defending itself from capitals, um, and the other is a subcap focus. So depending on how they're fit, what that does is that changes their application ability and um and then the damage output so the the better the application um for like a subcapital focus the lower the damage output um but you know it's going to apply better so if an House is fit to fight subcaps it can be anywhere from 400 dps up to 3000 dps just from the missiles um and and so if you put on webs and paints that can mean that that full 3000 DPS could stick to you. Um, and then plus damage from fighters. So depending on the loadout of the fighters from that Astra, it can be 1100 to 1500. If they're using like G 1s, it's more on that 1100 side. If they're using Furbog 2s, it's going to be more like 1500. Um, so And then for Anti-Capital, it's geared towards defending itself from you know dreads or something. Um, obviously it doesn't have the application value that you get from the sub-capital weapon system, but it can do between 10K DPS to 19K DPS just from the missiles, uh, and then that same 1,100 to 1,500 DPS from fighters. Um, And so then, you know, they they may have different things, uh, other support modules in their highs and mids, um, but those are just the generic, like, general values uh, that you'll probably see from an Astra House.
2: Yeah, and uh, one thing we haven't mentioned yet, too, uh, one of the support high slots is a bomb launcher. And it's very common to see this on almost any Citadel that's like actively fitted. So uh, the bomb launcher launches a, a guided bomb. And there's uh, I think there's a, a light-guided bomb and a heavy-guided bomb. Essentially, it, it's not really like a bomb that snow bombers use. It's a uh, like a targeted bomb. You target, su- like you lock someone, and then you activate it on them, and then the bomb Goes towards them, but it moves pretty slowly. I think it only moves at about like one k, one kilometer a second. So it's very easy to outrun it in nano ships, but it's very dangerous if you're like tackled and held down. And since it does like large AOE damage, and it has pretty high alpha too, uh, you if it if the bomb's on you, uh, one thing you can do is you can like warp to a ping and walk back, and then the bomb will just like float off to nothing. It will basically just kill it. Or you can also just make sure that like you're. You're kiting like away from it. It only goes one k a second, so almost any like nano ship can outrun it fairly fairly easily.
0: Yeah, and I've I've seen they can use void bombs as well, right? Um, from that bomb bomb launcher, so they will tend to launch those more against uh, li- if you have logistics in your group or something. And then um, Fortisars, as you kind of go up in size scale, you also kind of open up some more of uh, a, a wider variety of fitting options and modules that you can fit. So fortazars and um, I believe it's Satoyos and Tataras can all fit point defense systems. I think those all three of those can. If I'm not, I'm sure someone will comment and tell us that I'm an idiot. But um, So point defense is, like we were talking about, very strong. And I don't think I've ever really seen a Fortizar that does not have a point defense system on it. I've even seen just bait Fortizars that just have a point defense system on them. Um, (laughs) So they're really strong. Um, The Fortizars can also deploy five uh, fighters. And so they can get some more damage output. And two of their fighter sets can be... Um, fighter bomber sets, so they can get a lot more uh, damage output than uh, your your standard, um, like your Astro House. So the Fortizar can get uh, in a anti cap setup can go anywhere from 700 DPS for its like light missile, um, you know, best application up to 4,200 DPS, um, and then plus about 2k DPS if they're just using light fighters, up to 7k DPS if they mix in the two fighter bombers. Uh, And so, um, that's... uh, Fortasers, I feel like, are are probably one of the harder citadels to exist on grid with. Um, And then in an anti-subcap... Sorry, anti-capital, their damage output ranges from 22,000 DPS to 34. And uh, same that 2k to 7k dps from fighters so um, potentially uh, a large damage output from the Fortizars there
2: yeah and the the biggest structure the keep star actually has a uh has a targeted doomsday unlike the, the the titan doomsdays which can't actually be activated on any subcapital ships at least the uh, the targeted damage one the the structure keepstar one can and there's also like no signature radius component to it whatsoever and it does 5 million damage up front so it essentially like it's completely untankable if you ever get tackled by by a keepstar and the doomsday starts then you are 100% dead
1: and doesn't the dd chain as well or am i dreaming
2: yes it does chain too but since the keepstar already has one like hard tackle gen- generally I mean, the, everyone else in your gang can, like, whoop off and ping off, but, like, you're always going to lose, like, at least one ship if you're ever, like, targeted by, it. like, a manned to keep star in range.
0: <laughs> I have a horrible story of, I was in a jackdaw. Can't, I don't remember who I was fighting, but I was fighting another jackdaw. It was in Providence. It was it in Providence. In Prov- okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I remember, I was so pissed about this for, like, a week. But, so I was fighting another jackdaw. He was on their Anseblex jump gate. I had him pointed. And the Keepstar locked and pointed me, and then as soon as the DD went off, or right before the DD went off, that Jackdaw, even though he was pointed, right, he could take the Anseblex jump gate. So he jumped out, and then I got DD'd by the Keepstar, I was like, I was like, god damn it. So I,
1: I have the video footage, which oh, is basically god. this audio <laughs> recording of me being like, dude, you're, you're dumb. Like, what are you doing? Yeah,
0: because... I was, like, so chill. I thought I had it in the back. I was like, nah, dude, don't worry. I got him pointed. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> ten seconds later, I'm just like, oh, god, I just got
1: DD'd. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the, that's the all the structures. I mean, for, the, for general, like, leaving... So, like, I mentioned a little number beside the, the name, the bracket, and, you know, you're golden, then. If that's a zero, you're golden. And a lot of the times, people in it can't even man it, so... You know, you might still be golden, but you guys should communicate with your gang about if you're getting targeted, what's going on, so that you know when it's you know time to leave. And uh, basically, if if you're trying to fight things on grid with the with these, and your gang's getting targeted, it's essentially time to leave, unless you're you know in a gang that's specifically fit up to f- to do this kind of stuff with like big lodgy presence and and things like that. And even then, like as Tony mentioned, in the keep star, like you're going to lose ships. It's it's just the way it is.
0: I think anytime you're on grid and a keep star locks you, it is time to go. And that's an okay strategy to employ. Um, I think the main things that I really look for when I'm fighting on grid uh, is how many missiles or high slots does that citadel have, right? So that's just having fitting knowledge of the citadel structures, um, which anyone can do that's in-game, um, very easy to look up. Um, the second piece of information I look for is how many fighter groups they can um, employ, because that means what kind of tackle uh, capability do they have, and also damage that can stick to small things. So, if you're if you're tackled by a citadel, but it can't do any damage to you, right? It doesn't have any missiles or any fighters, then it's really not a an a critical issue but if obviously if it, and they all do some form of damage so if if they do have you know a lot more missile slots or some really strong fighter groups then that's going to be a, a a bigger concern um and then the last thing is how many mid slots do they have cuz that is going to have a higher potential of having a scram or having you know webs or or paints in the that mid slot um so yeah and then i think kind of to wrap it all up right the goal of getting all in all the information and, and kind of looking at these in depth is to develop a strategy for existing on grid or fighting on grid with them i think there are certain ships that handle citadels better or live better on on citadels and in particular like small fast things with signature reduction and uh and good resistance so you know Retributions, pretty baller. Um, and and then, so, so flying ships like that. The other thing I think is really key is you, if you tackle something on a Citadel grid, I think using an MJD Desi or a Boosher, um, a Command Destroyer, uh, to move that target farther away from the Citadel, even if it's not completely outside of tackle range, what it does is it allows your gang to have more flexibility so by moving that ship off of tether range it positions the fight outside of pds range if it's on a ship that can use a point defense system um, which allows your tackle pilots to have more flexibility moving around the the grid Um, it also means that missile flight time and fighter flight time to get to your group is going to be extended which gives you some more flexibility and um it allows your group to have a better potential to bounce off to bookmarks and come back. So I think really having like an, a Command Destroyer on-grid fighting on a Citadel is like probably one of the best strategies I can think of for taking a fight on a Citadel.
1: Or alternatively, just MJD ships, like a, a bunch of them. <laughs> So that you can just boost yourself around rather than rely on that CDSE to, to do it
0: oh yeah i mean it, it, like the the boosh ravens have been a a common like fleet tactic i'm just thinking as far as like within our small game context of, of how to do that i guess you could do some good stuff with saber bubbles but with the quantity of citadels that get put down in systems now it's really hard to guess ahead of time you know what structure someone's going to warp to and get in position ahead of time so that you can put a stop bubble you know far enough out in the correct direction and and stop them from landing within tackle range of the citadel um (laughs) <laughs> like it, that's just like you know, unless you're stalking a, a, a guy for a while and you've seen him warp to that citadel multiple times, it's really I think hard just coming into a system and sending a a saber to a citadel and, and getting a catch in that way.
2: Yeah, it's more of like a like a maybe like a gate camping thing where like if you come into a system and they have a like an answer black gate on a ser- on a uh, certain citadel, you can have like a saber like up a bubble from the Ansiblex gate so that they land like 500 off the Citadel where you can kill them without the Citadel being able to lock you. But it's not something that you can like really do proactively.
1: Yeah, you're kind of just setting the trap and waiting.
0: Yeah, it, it would be really hard to do on the fly for sure. So yeah, um, I think that's pretty extensive discussion on Citadels and really Good information i was actually looking up a lot of this information uh ahead of time because i had like general ideas but nothing off the top of my head and um yeah is is pretty pretty good i'm happy with that segment
1: <laughs> yeah i hope people get some value out of that it, de- it definitely the, the the overview is that it's really difficult to fight on some citadel grids and there's you know the things we mentioned can let you know if it's going to be you know safe or not essentially and if it's not, you should probably uh, be flying very defensively. Yeah. So you guys want to move on to sinos?
0: Yeah. So sinos are another thing that we talked about. I actually had this conversation with one of our guys about sinos and the instant on mechanic. And and what I mean by that is you activate the Cynos and it is fully ready to be utilized by, uh, you know, the, the people in your fleet. Um And it was a really interesting topic, kind of uh, something that I think would be great for CCP and the CSM to look at in the future is adding a delay between the time the sino gets lit and the time that ships can come on grid. Um, And maybe that's only like 10 seconds or or something, very minimal. Um, But the, the instant on mechanic of a sino being lit just allows for this, you know, what we call super umbrella, a lot of times, it's an instant reaction and the ability to instantly um, be viable on grid. And um, by adding like a delay, in some regard, and we like, in our discussion, internally, we just kind of we talked about like, well, could you make it so it shows up only on grid during that, that delay, and then, then would show up on an overview later, once you know ships have are able to come through, things like that. Um, so there's definitely play with that, but I think that'd be really cool to see uh, down the line in the future. A change like that would be really cool. But how we deal with them now is um, a couple of different ways.
1: I think um, the best way we kind of we want to anticipate it, right? That's like the key here is that if you anticipate the Sino coming. Uh, effectively, your knowledge and skill is adding a delay, right? Uh, basically, that's what right. it's doing. You can avoid, so, yeah, yeah. So you use that time when you see, uh, you know, a common sector ship coming into grid. On, you see it on D scan. Uh, you know, people are acting kind of odd on grid, like baiting you, and you're, you know, in their nullsec space, and you, you, you know, you see it coming. So you use that time before the Sino is actually on grid, and things are jumping to it uh, to. Put yourself and your gang in a situation where you can uh not necessarily leave but safely see what's coming in and then decide if you need to leave or not
0: yeah and i think there's like two main ways that we can kind of tell ahead of time the first is by counting turret slots if if you know that a ship for instance has no utility high slots and so they should have six turrets on their ship and you look you use the look at function and you only see five well, either they took one gun off to put a nude on, or they took one gun off and put something else on. And you, that can really key you in that this ship potentially has a Sino fitted. I wish there were a Sino turret model, um, but that is not in the game. <laughs> the second is suspicious behavior. And that's, like, that's the real key one. If you are flying in fraternity space and you happen to see a battleship that not isn't
1: just moving
0: through space, but it's like hanging out and waiting and trying to fight you on gates. That's probably a sino. Yeah, um, or, or a VNI,
1: like pre nerf I that's just sitting on a gate and you went for the gate and it like jumps through and just sits there 15 off.
0: Yeah, pretty sketchy activities. Probably a sino. There's probably going to be supers jumping through. So definitely by anticipating that, you can change your actions or play less committed and that can allow you to um position yourself effectively to escape or put yourself in a good position um to maybe capitalize and kill something before the ships uh get get on grid um you know but but mainly it that ends up being positioning in a way that you're not gonna get scrammed down and caught um most of the time, those Sino ships are waiting for something to get caught before they will light to, you know, secure the the kill. They they usually don't want to jump something through unless they know that there's, you know, uh, a a kill, or unless they have to do it in order to save something um, around them.
1: Haha, ha! Made you jump? Yeah.
0: See, so yeah, yeah. Some
1: of the. Sorry. Go ahead, satonia
0: I was going to say like a uh, a key part of
2: the Sino module is the ship that's sliding it can no longer move. So as so as long as you're not in like hard tackle range in any ship, like you're not in scram range or web range, it's they, they can't like come after you. So normally you want to be in a position where you have like the Sino ship held down with, you know, like some long range webs or something, or just like keep it pointed, like don't overcommit onto the Sino ship and like, make sure you stay outside Scram and web range because if they just have, like, a normal t- like normal Tech 2 point, generally, you you should be able to just to get away.
1: And they have to slow down before they can light the Sino, so that's another key one. They can't just ram you full speed and light while they're moving. They have to slow down uh, in order for the module to light. But some of those common Sino ships are going to be uh, Scepters, uh, Recons, Tech 3s, Bombers. Uh, bombers are tricky because they uh, lack a... Um, targeting delay after decloak. so uh, you know they can decloak, target, scram, sino. So uh, you know if you suspect a bomber's around uh, a sino bomber that is, make sure that you're kind of moving that you're not just sitting at zero velocity waiting for him to you know approach you cloaked. And then um, you know we see a lot of Nereus on structures uh, as sinos and and you know they may be bait, but most of the time those are like a perma sino. And what they are is uh, it's just like a Nereus tanked out with a whole bunch of Liquido and the dude's AFK. And it's like a, a Sino that people can jump to on a Keepstar or Fortizar or something like that.
2: Uh, the, the most common bait signo ship that I see quite often is uh, the Procura. And like as Blood mentioned, you can always look at the Procura to see if it has two miners fitted or not.
1: Yeah. And I guess historically, like Prophecy, Mauler, those, those are, are uh, good, you know, brick tanked Sino ships that people have used. But, uh, I mean, a good bait ship should really, you know, a good bait ship is very difficult to detect that it's a Sino ship. So um, another good way you can tell if it's a Sino is if you have someone in your gang with either a ship scanner or a cargo scanner. Um, ship scanners don't always show you every module on the fit, so it's it's unreliable although it will show you if they do have that sino Um, cargo scanners what you're doing is you're just looking for liquid o and the nice thing about a cargo scanner is it does show you everything the ship is carrying 100 of the time so you only have to scan once you can see if they have liquid o if they don't you know you're safe they're not going to let a sino if they do well you don't need to see the actual sino on their ship you know they have one because they have liquid o so that's another good way
2: yeah, and it's very common to see sinos fitted on to I think almost every uh, capital ship in the game. Like if you catch a Rockwell in a belt, it's almost always going to have a sino. Same thing for you know like a Ratting, the Togger, or any like PVE carrier.
1: Yeah, and there is uh, a counterplay module, right? The mobile sino inhib. So why uh, don't you guys want to kind of talk about that? Because there is there is some counterplay there for for us because you know we're usually the ones being sino on, not lighting sinos, So let's talk about the sino inhibitor.
2: Yeah, it's not very good, <laughs> generally speaking. But yeah, the, the mobile Sino-inhibitor, it, it got buffed, I think, about a year ago. Uh, It used to take up 200 meters cubed of cargo, and it used to have a two-minute online time. But it got buffed to reduce it down to 50... I Minus mean, queued, which was like the main key change because it allowed you to easily put it inside uh, like a forward tackle ship, like a uh, you can put it in a scepter roll, or you can like carry it in a uh saber or something without like you know, losing almost half your bubbles. But yeah, it you uh you just put it, you just drag it. It can't be uh on lines. I think near a gate, a station, or a citadel, it has to be like I think a hundred kilometers off. But you can you can anchor it inside, like a uh, where Rooker is, or you know some place where you're trying to beta fight to. It takes two minutes to to sorry one minute to go online, and then it's online for one hour before it dies, and it stops any signers from
0: being activated within a hundred kilometers of it. I think some of the key issues are really that that distance from structure, because with Citadel grid size or structure size. Uh, model size, Uh, (laughs) um, it means that you can't place it in a place where... How how do I want to phrase this? You have to place it far enough out that its radius cannot cover the entire structure. So a citadel, someone can light a a sino at zero on a citadel um, because of that inhib um, limitation uh the other thing is just uh they're they're really really easy to kill um so like uh, you know most most capitals can kill them um by themselves through reps they don't have any resistance and um and then like the last thing i guess is that once they're anchored they prevent new sinos from going up but the, if a sino gets lit anytime during that anchoring process then that Sino, people can jump to it for the entire duration of that Sino cycle, which is 10 minutes, which uh, tends to be uh, plenty of time to, to use uh, that, that Sino to get in reinforcements.
2: Yeah, and since it takes one minute to go online, it's like unless someone's like completely asleep at the wheel, they can always light their defensive Sino before uh, the Sino inhibitor is going to go up. Yeah,
1: and then they have 10 minutes to muster the forces and, and jump to it. So it's you know it's very much very strong um, counter-counterplay, I guess you could say, just by doing that, by lighting it anyway. Even if your gang's not ready, just light the Sino before the inhib goes up. So I guess the overall strategy against Sinos, just a quick recap before I move on, is no common Sino ships. Try and anticipate the Sino so that you can maneuver yourself into a, a position where you can um, see what's coming through and also, you know, leave. Um, One thing we didn't mention, though, is if it is something like a a, a stiletto or a scepter something very small, like a bomber light tank, quite often uh, you can volley it uh, before multiple ships come through. So if you just, like, see the sign up and then it's basically as fast as you can try and volley it, um, maybe only one lone carrier will jump through or something like that, and you'll be in a position where you can, uh, you know, Isolate and kill that ship.
0: Yeah, I think that's like one of the biggest arguments for potentially like a, a delay of some kind or a system like that being in place is gives you the potential to actually um you know, kill the the Sino ship because they've they've given up or they've the the, the trade off has been their mobility, um, by lighting that Sino and um I don't know, it could be kinda interesting.
2: Yeah, the the, the most pro, uh, problematic thing I think most people see right now with sinos is when they are fit on to uh, interceptors. Like the Maldiction and the Aeris are the most common too, too due to their slot layouts. But with with like a normal Sinoship ship coming in, if it's not fitted on like like if you tackle, let's say I don't know, a Carrion, for whatever reason it doesn't have a Sino or you have a fight on a grid, like one of the ways you can kind of prevent like carriers coming in on top of you and things like uh, is to like take a saber and like bubble uh, the ingate or like have a defensive drag bubble like 300 off from you so like if someone like warps the sino in, it ship in it's, it's like on the edge of the bubble and then they have to like sign the fax in like 300 off then it's useless etc uh, but with a scepter you can't stop it from warping and uh, the Ares and the maldiction can also be in a travel scepter configuration so that's a uh, under two second lock time while having a sino or Field Fitted. So it's impossible to uh, to catch them in any way. And what they can do is they can just warp to, like, a- anything that you have tackled at 100, even if you have a inhib up, and just lay a sino and bring your things
1: in. Yeah, exactly. So so with that, we, we're talking about carriers and capitals a little bit. So we're going to move into that, which is the last kind of topic of uh, the crap we talked about last podcast. So... So capitals. Um, so first, before we start, we're gonna just shout out both Setonia for an article he wrote recently and uh, Yintan for uh, for some analysis he did. And both both the, the you know um, vibes from from these two pieces of of work were very similar, and uh, kind of just you know detailed the problems and potential fixes uh, with capitals. So we're gonna put those in the show notes, please. If you haven't read them or watched them, go have a look. And with that, we'll just get into it and uh, we'll start first. We're going to, same kind of theme as, as every other thing we're, we've done here, we're going to just go through a overview of, of all the capitals and kind of their strengths and some of the weaknesses you can try and exploit, and then move into general strategy. So starting off with, uh, with carriers.
2: So I think carriers are actually uh, fairly reasonable now after the nerfs. Uh, the recent nerf that happened in March, which reduced the explosion radius of all the fighter abilities by fifteen percent and the explosion velocity by thirty percent because in general for like untackled frigates and cruisers like if they're not actually like tackled down by some by something carriers lost about thirty percent of their dps to those targets
0: yeah I think the the standard carriers are definitely in a they're in a decent spot they still can defend themselves um but they they definitely don't just one-shot things off the field. Like, they they they've gone through what three or four rebalances, um, since the the new since fighter mechanics were introduced, right?
2: Yeah, as the, the as... first the the first iteration had like the missile ability being like some like really long like. Uh, like very high alpha ability with like super high application and you could yeah. like one shot like an afterburner scimitar
0: with it. It was like so ridiculous. Yeah. So so I think like the, the application value is definitely in a, a, a much better spot for carriers. Um, I, the, the more, re- the recent change to network sensor array um, making it so that a carrier cannot warp off grid while that's active is also really massive I think I think that's changed a lot of people's like willy-nilly use of carriers in, in a lot of that sense or having them um, as gate camp setups um, and and so I think um, you know knowing that the network sensor array can allow a carrier or a super to lock almost instantly. Um, just about anything is is pretty important. But by having them become more vulnerable while they're using it, um, people are less likely to use it uh, and, or, or, you know, have to make a, a key decision whether or not to use it. And I think that has definitely um, impacted uh, carriers and kind of toned down some of the craziness that was going on with them. Yeah, it
2: made a it made a big change for like content, like finding content too, because now uh, the ratting carriers, if they have NSA active, like uh, prior to blackout, like most carriers just they rat aligned and they just warp to a structure as soon as like something comes into the system, and uh, they recall fighters while aligned and then warp to the citadel if something lands on grid with them. Whereas now, with the NSA, you're stuck for thirty seconds. So, like, if you if, if something like a malediction or a stiletto comes in while it's cycling, like, there's kind of there's like a decent chance that they might be able to catch them if they like find him on D scan quickly or like shotgun his like haven or sanct uh, uh, sanctum or whatever he's running. It also has changed like the, the dynamic of some of the carrier fits too to be like a lot less tanky. Because there's uh, like some carriers that decide to like they don't want to risk running the NSA, they run like two sensor booster fits instead, which has took mm-hmm. like two like invos or for like one invo, one like capital shield extender, which has made them a lot easier to kill.
0: It also has meant that sometimes instead of drone navigation computers that really helped apply, um, you know, then they're they're having to use sensor boosters, and I think that's been really key towards um, having you know ships. Being able to survive more, like your scepter isn't getting run down by, you know, 10k a second um, uh, fighters, like before they light their MWDs, you know.
1: Yeah, or or omnidirectional tracking mods too, right? Like yep. the, like it, it it forced them to make a decision where before they could just have it all, and now they have to make a decision. So, you know, is it worth it to use the NSA or not? I really like the change as well, and I, I agree with you, Tony, on the application thing. It is a lot more manageable now. Before, we used to see a lot of 100MN AB type fits to kind of negate that, that damage, get the speed up and keep the SIG low. And now, I mean, I haven't had one, you know, one single problem flying around in nano hacks with the, um, with the MWD SIG reduction bonus they have. Uh, you know, it's the, the damage from a carrier is very manageable in a hack now. So pretty happy about that.
2: Yeah, and generally, I think like one Logi can hold like a like non-bonus ship pretty reliably now, whereas before you needed like two or more.
1: Yeah, the, and the volley from them too, like when they, you know, use all their their turret and missile ability at the same time, the volley was really really big, and I think that was the worst part about their application before was being able to apply with the the turret and then the big volley, and now it it you know it just is it's a lot better now. I think they're in a good place. Uh, still strong, but you know, not downright overwhelming and oppressive. So you know, kind of a strategy on carriers. Uh, if there's just one, it's it's quite easy to kill them now in a small gang. You can kind of just keep keep them isolated and kill it. If your if your ships can't hold, um, first of all, sirens you should kill immediately. Um, if there's more than one carrier, you know, a web ship, a web the dromi as well, the webbing ones, you should kill those. But uh, Basically, you can let the fighter, the damage fighters, stay out, and as long as your your mates are good, kind of just ignore them, kite them off, do whatever you need to do while you put damage on the carrier. And if there's you know too many carriers, the the fighters are being overwhelming. You can try and stay on grid, eliminate fighters, and you know once you are in a position where you can maintain on grid, you can go through killing them. So um, carriers are are typically always going to be buffer fit. I don't you know there's some kind of memey pve carriers that were active fit in the past but or they may still be but it they you know the active tank is quite low they're not gonna be repping like a like a dreadwood or anything like that so yeah the active
2: ones are quite vulnerable to uh, like things like curses and sentinels too
1: um so yeah the fighters can move their speeds or are you know uh under mwd they're very fast they're going to catch up to your kiting ship but typically under uh no mwd which is uh there's a 60 second cooldown on that ability so they're going to have a burst of speed and then be you know anywhere between 1500 to 2400 ish depending on the fighter and the the carrier and you know drone navigation mods so that's kind of what you're looking at if you know you'll if you do a more than 2500 you're going to be pretty darn darn good to totally avoid them
2: yeah you can also do uh like strategies with your friends to like you like a uh, command destroyer can sometimes like just boost one of them off to make it useless for some time you if you have them on you too you can you know like burn away and then like when they come off you or you walk off then they have to spend like a, a very long time like traveling to the next target
1: yeah, I, so I multibox, and um, I use a stiletto as one of my accounts. And if I ever tackle a carrier, once we kind of get secondary tertiary tackle, what I'll often do is just double-click straight down and fly my interceptor away. And I just use it as an on-grid ping for my mates. As soon as he's 150 away, you can just warp down to my stiletto alt uh, and then warp back up, kind of things like that. So really handy way to kind of, like you say, shed the fighters, warp off pull them way off, and then warp off, and then warp back at 0 to 20 to the carrier. You're optimal, essentially. So yeah, that's, that's about it on carriers. You guys got anything else to add?
0: No, uh, I think that's... I mean, carriers are, are manageable. Uh, it's uh, if you, I think gaining experience fighting carriers is the hardest thing. Um, but then once you kind of have a good feel for what is capable and what ships... Are going to survive on grid with a carrier? You you can get more comfortable with it, um, and that's definitely like the key to to fighting one or two carriers in in a small gang.
1: All right, so let's move on to the force auxiliary, the fax machines, the content enders. Essentially, I mean these things tank like self rep a huge amount. You know, um, obviously this varies in in price, fit, etc. How much they're going to bling it, but you know you could say fifty k DPS tank. Um they can't, and that's while they're using the triage module. So they can't be remote rep, they can't receive remote assistance while they're in triage. Uh, but huge local tank and they remote rep a ton. So uh you could say 1.3 to 1.8 k hp, that's raw HP before resists per rep, and most of them will fit, you know, some two to three reps per ship. And they have a very fast cycle time at three and a half to five ish seconds. Again, that's kind of general. So between armor and shield, you could say three and a half to five, and uh, that cycle time is really key. So if you had a really long cycle time with a heavy rep, you could maybe hope to volley smaller things. But um, if a triage staggers their reps well on a small target, it's very difficult to break unless you can volley through it within like you know a few cycles of your weapons. Um, it's just going to get reps before you you've applied enough damage. So. Super difficult had, to fight.
0: I think Genton really uh, went into great detail on this in his video, and it was it's very insightful analysis. Um, the The discussion was that the cycle time uh, for a force auxiliary and like lock time mean that it can actually land reps faster than a guardian wing can. Um, all coming, and, and this is just coming from one pilot though, so it, there's not the potential for like split reps or any of that. And that's really one of the key factors that makes Force Auxiliaries very, very strong.
2: Yeah, and I think they uh, put out the rep power of about like eight to ten Guardians too. So it's like on a scale, it's like basically a whole Guardian wing by itself.
1: Yeah, and they're also going to be cheaper than eight to ten Guardians too.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so against the facts, what can you do? Um, so. Y- they have very strong capacitors, but you can apply a bunch of newts in hopes of newting it out, uh, force it to use its self-rep, force it to rep other things because those modules are both both very cap intensive. So uh, coupled with newts and that extensive cap use of its own modules, you could hope to, to kind of newt it out. And then they do have a range of about you know forty five to fifty effective range ish. So you could try bumping target ships away from the the facts. Um,
0: yeah, I think their optimal is forty five, and it's like plus twelve fall off. So it's uh, I think if you can bump a force auxiliary say to seventy kilometers from the ship that you're actually trying to shoot, then I think you can um, you'll you'll be outside of its rep range and and be able to just um, sink damage into your, your main goal. and So if it's only one Force Auxiliary, that's definitely an option.
2: Yeah, and uh, so, like, you can also, like, tr- like if you're fighting, like, a gang, you can, like, kide away from the Force Auxiliary. You can try and bump it. Uh, a lot of it comes from, you know, like, having, like, defensive, uh, like, bubbles up too. Like, if it's not coming in from a Sino, if it's, like gonna come in from like a a citadel or something having like a like defensive saber bubble that's like 150 away
1: or something can like make it useless yeah something i've done too in gangs is like if you're fighting on a gate grid and they bring in uh capitals you know quite often you'll just warp to a ping and and wait like your your uh, aggression timer and then warp down and jump through and be like all right quite often at that point they're in like trying to hold you mode so they'll have tackle ships on the other side but their their capitals can't come through so you just jump through and start fragging cap uh tackle ships and then leave like if if especially if it's overwhelming so you really have to um uh, just like any other ca- uh capital here you can really uh capitalize on it's on their inability to be mobile you know what i mean so
2: yeah, but it's pretty difficult to actually be able to kill a force auxiliary because they have like fifty thousand DPS tanks minimum on like tech two on like a tech two fit apostle, like anywhere up to like eighty thousand to a hundred thousand, depending on like you know, strong exile, strong blue pill and like pimp. Like e- e- even uh even if you live in like a C five and you bring like three dreads out for your static, you still
1: can't break them. Yeah, it's it's very oppressive to small gang, just the raw amount of, of uh reps. So yeah, so watch yeah, out I for think them. Leshaks sure. have been
0: the answer. The the Leshak uh doctrines are kind of the the go to for actually killing a force auxiliary and not just, you know, trying to work around it or ignore it.
1: Yeah, big damage to force it to rep and then, you know, you can fit uh triple heavy new Leshaks as well. So
2: yeah, you can also like mix in like a few Balgorns
1: and nesters are pretty good with them too because of the low mass. Yeah, for sure. I think that's probably the, the Wormholer's best bet is is like a Lashak Nester with sprinklings of Balgorns. All right, well, we'll move on to Dreads. So the Dreadnought uh, is a turret capital that can both use capital guns you know, 10k DPS on the capital guns, they are very poor at tracking subcaps. Basically, the only way you're going to get hit by a capital gun is if you're being super bad and not moving or flying with, you know, zero transversal or, uh, a, you know, a, a more skillful way or well-set-up way of having a capital gun track a subcap is uh, the use of uh, the Ser- Serpentis uh, faction line ships, I believe it is, where they have the bonus to uh, webs not range but effectiveness and you can roll an abyssal web that effectively gives you like a 99% web so almost stops your ship so they will have like a, a buffer Vindy sitting there that throws you know a super powerful web basically stops you and then the capital guns can blap you and even then you, you have to be a little bit of a bigger sig ship for, for that to happen but nonetheless it is it has been done there's cool videos on stuff like that happening But more than likely, you're going to see Haw Dreads in Small Gang. So they can do around 3k DPS. And they basically have the tracking of like a battleship hull. So uh, the common fits with them. You're going to see they're going to have like a form of tackle, like a grappler standard web dual web combo, which is very effective with like a long point or a scram. Or sometimes you'll have just like a max tracking mid. Uh, dreads so they'll use tracking computers and things like that to enhance their ability to, to hit you rather than a uh, hard tackle
2: yeah it's pretty difficult to deal with whole dreads and uh i think jinta mentions this too they actually have like way better tracking the battleships because of how big their model is like if you're orbiting like a dread at five hundred, like your traversal is actually way worse than if you're like orbiting like a battleship at 500 so it's a lot harder for like cruisers to go under their guns
1: yeah that kind of links into what we were talking about with citadels earlier how like the model is is big and when you're orbiting at 500 you're not really orbiting at 500 on the center dot um, which is where tracking calculations come from like the center of the the thing Um, but you're orbiting at the edge I think I'm saying that correct you're orbiting like 500 from the edge of the model not the center of the model
0: yeah like the center of mass essentially yeah, there's there's some funky things and like uh, yeah, high angle weapons, their tracking is very good. So it's when you take into account model sizes too, it they just they apply really well and they can still reach out pretty far. Um, I re I think I got one shot by a naglafar with high angle weapons at like eighty k once. is is pretty rough. I think I was in like a phantasm too. It was uh, <laughs> it's challenging for sure. Um. But, uh, yeah, Revelations can hit out pretty far as well with uh, with Scorch in their weapons.
1: I think you can do, like, 100k Scorch revs, uh, I-, I believe. I'd have to look at Pyfa, but...
0: Yeah, I think with a tracking computer, too, you definitely can.
2: Yeah, I think uh, we test the lines, use them very... It's like their, like, Rockal Saving Doctrine is, like, spamming horde revs now.
0: Yeah, and then one thing about dreads, though is that when they are sieged, they cannot receive reps. So they're almost always active tanked or like a buffer kind of like throwaway tank. Um, so fighting dreads, actually, if you can survive on grid with them, with the high angle weapons, then they're I think they're some of the more fun fights that I've had. Um, when there's like three of them, it's really brutal and you usually end up just dying. But when there's just like one or, or even two um and it's manageable they can be really fun it takes a bit to grind them down Uh, a lot of times it's about combining your dps um wearing some of their cap down and also you know from them active tanking and also like some some form of nuding power um and and eventually they end up getting to a break point where it just can't be maintained um and yeah it's it's pretty like um pretty engaging fights a lot of the time
1: yeah i've had some fun fighting hodreds but as, as long as they don't do everything right if they're fit really well um you know and they do everything right it's it is very difficult but that's you know that's where you have to kind of recognize how they're fit what they're what they're doing and if you can avoid their damage and if you can party on just hold tackle and you know i i've like uh a while ago, a couple months ago, I tackled a uh, aha moros, and uh, and you know he couldn't even hit me out at like twenty five thirty in my retribution. I, with I was snaked, but still. Um, so yeah, we just there was a bunch of us in retries, and we wore him down. And then Black Legion ended up showing up in in Mutants and yeah, I got volleyed, but whatever. I was, I was gonna
0: say, did they kill you or did they kill him? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, hey, uh, at least that's something.
1: Right. So, yeah, so, I mean, anything else to add on Dreads, guys? They, they do have, like we mentioned, really big active tanks. Um, so, And they can't move or receive uh, remote rep while they're in Siege.
2: Yeah, they, they also are fairly immune to most E-War 2 although you still can kind of affect them. They have, like, uh, slightly stronger than the T3D bonus in sharpshooter modes but uh like we we were able to use a Keras to like break the lock of like a rev uh like get it down to like under seventy so they ca- like ewar can still be kind of useful like you know even like one t d from a sentinel even though it's only applying like thirty percent of what it normally does it it still can like you know take like a good like twelve kilometers off a dreads range
1: yeah that's a good point. All right, let's move into super carriers, the bigger brother of the carrier, Um, and all things apply that we talked about carriers, except uh, super carriers are harder to hold tackle on. Obviously, Uh, they can use the bigger biggest difference I think is they can use fighter bombers, which um, are like the heavy fighters. So there's both a a really heavy like anti cap one, and there's a long range uh, kind of. Subcap one i guess you could call it although i don't think it's design intent is to frag subs but that's what it's used for
2: yeah so super capitals are way harder than regular carriers to hold for many reasons the first region, first reason is that they can use uh, firefighters instead of three and they get two support fighters instead of one so normally when a, if a carrier fits like a, just a siren by itself it's like gimping its damage quite a lot like it's going from three to two so it's losing like you know, it's like sacrificing fifty percent of its damage by going from like three fighters to two fighters to to carry a siren, right? Like it, if you go from two to three, you get fifty percent more. Whereas with a super, like it can it can use like three heavy fighters with like two support fighters without sacrificing like as much of its DPS. Because like three long range fighters do six thousand DPS on a hell and. Uh, it, it applies uh, about half as well as life fighters, but you're, we're still talking about, like, even with the nerfs, like, like you know, like 1.5k DPS on a cruiser that you have uh, tackled with a Siren and Dromy.
1: Yeah, and that's the key you mentioned there, Siren and dromi So since they can use the two, they can hold point on you and web you down with the dromi, uh, you know, increasing their application.
2: Yeah, and uh, a big problem as well is uh, on on the hell, especially because it gets the uh, bonus to the the speed of the fighters. Is that uh, unless you can go? I think it's faster than five point four k a second. uh, You can't escape from a drummy in hell because uh, they're natural, like uh, because the drummy webs you down by sixty percent, and they naturally move at about two k a second. Unless you can go faster than like five point four k which is basically like only if you have like high grade snakes and heat on a frigate can you really get away from them you can just be like held indefinitely so they're very dangerous for that reason too
0: That's brutal and then beyond that um supers have plus 20 warp strength is that what it is i think so... it's
2: plus 25.
0: 25 so you you basically you have to have either a hick or bubbles to reliably hold them on grid so it it kind of pressures you into having specific types of ships in order to be able to hold them um and you know those ships are gonna have a hard time surviving with the the super fighters um like a, a good saber pilot can definitely you can do some cloaking and and things that will help you stay on grid longer with a super but generally uh where the saber ends up dying somewhere along the line is you decloak, throw a bubble. And as you're burning out of the bubble, it before you can warp out, it usually gets locked and, and gets some damage sticking to you. So it can get pretty sketchy, um, pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. I think most of the, well, in Kronos, I think all the supers we've killed have been like broken bots, quite honestly. I, I don't yep. <laughs> like I, it, it sucks, but I don't think, uh, w- without a very, um, Lucky and targeted fleet comp that we're flying, could you actually kill uh, an isolated super? You basically have to have the logi to rep through stuff, and you know, like the Nestor Lashak kind of doctrine we mentioned earlier is probably something that would work with some some good bubbles and sabers, and that that's a lot of time what you see doing it. But it is pretty difficult. It's it if you just happen across one while you're roaming around, uh, probably unlikely that you will be able to get the kill.
2: Yeah, you can't hold them down or reliably stay grid with just like like a random ten dudes that you have.
0: Yeah, I think there was one super that we killed along the way at some point where it was a guy who like tried to swing his super around, and we happened to be like two jumps from our null static. But other than that, I think the only yeah, I think that was the only super we killed that was like being flown by an actual person.
1: Yeah, and I, in the past, I've like found ratting supers solo and i'll uh i'll like do really fun stuff like uh i'll wait until they're about to warp out and a lot of times if they don't pull their their fighters they'll like let the fighters warp to them and then land um i'll just like decloak and then tackle one of their fighters <laughs> and i get so much salt from them in what was local now now defunct but uh yeah it was it was really funny really good times and that's you know you can do stuff like that when you're solo but that's about it
2: yeah, I I used to just warp to them in uh in, in my wolf and see what they would do. Like a lot of like a lot of riding super pilots just like panic warp out because you know they 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 like think like if you're there then they they obviously think that you have the potential to kill them. So they just warp out without like recalling their fighters first, and then you can just like, tackle a, a fighter and kill it.
1: Yeah, and there's still a few hundred mil for a full squad of like T two fighters, so. So, yeah, I guess we'll uh, move on from supers into titans. So, titans can also fit the same guns as dreads, but they, uh, you know, they did get a nerf recently that halved their haw damage from what was, you know, you could fit like a, a Ragnarok with some damage mods from like 6k haw DPS. So now it's about three, I believe. If you're, you know, I think that's like a triple gyro reg. So. 1500 to 3k kind of thing is what you're kind of looking at for dps from a hot titan but titans and they cited kind
0: of... hot titans specifically as part of the reason for that change
1: yeah exactly so um the way they did the change didn't affect dreads at all effectively i mean it did but in a non-effective way so the big thing with titans is they have doomsdays which there's multiple different ones but i think the most common one we're going to talk about for small gang stuff is the boson, right?
0: Yeah, the boson and single target, I think, are, are just the most common used in general. Um, I've seen some videos of lances being used recently, but I don't think anyone really uses a sickle. But uh, but yeah, boson and sickle target are probably the most common.
1: Aren't the single target ones, don't they have to be a capital target?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I like my nano capitals. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's still point. fairly common though just yeah it to, is like, it's That's a
1: good point. but the boson where it is is essentially uh, if you could envision like a is it a cylinder or a cone it's a cone so it's like a cone that like a triangle if you're kind of looking at it from the top that you know AOE blasts you it kind of hits for I can't remember what the cycle time is but it's it's not just like a one hit thing it, it takes a bit to warm up and then hits and continuously hits um so, you really want to watch for that. It it can wreck subs. The lance is even stronger, but the lance is like a very narrow, I guess you could call it a cylinder, compared to the cone. It's like a line. Uh, the sickle, I don't, I don't even want to talk about the sickle. We're not going to talk about the sickle. And then the single the target sickle, is... You want to talk it's about just the sickle? hard
0: to execute. <laughs> well, it's a cool concept. Like, I think the lance and sickle have the coolest concepts of any of the DDs, but... They're, they're harder to execute, and that's why we don't see them as much. The lance being a, a straight beam, like think Kamehameha from, you know, uh, Goku, just like shooting in a straight line. Um, the sickle is like you can draw, you can, you can point it in a line, and then you can draw an arc across space. It's like a, it's like a samurai sword slashing. Yeah, and it will follow that arc. And so it's just it, it's cool conceptually, but people just don't use them as much. Lances get used sometimes in, in bigger fights, I think.
1: But So, I mean, there's going to be two situations where this is going to happen. A, they're going to jump to a Sino and then, like, you know, at at a, a range from your gang and try and boson onto you. Or, uh, more than likely, you're going to be in Delve, and they're going to be, like, set up on a gate kind of thing. You're going to, like, land in a bubble, and then a boson's going to be flying at you. Something along those lines where it's going to feel really bad. Like you are gonna feel. I that. don't
0: even think you have to land in a bubble. I think they can like boson and if they time it right. You are coming out of warp and you start taking damage as soon as you land, and then you are boom, you are dead before you can uh, before the game client can activate the gate and jump out.
1: Yeah, kind of like smart bombs.
0: Yeah, it's pretty brutal.
2: Yeah, I think it does like sixty thousand damage every half a second over ten seconds, so it's like one point two million damage. Add, uh, for, for the full duration. That's
0: nuts. Yeah, so you don't even really have to like you can get hit once or twice by a in a subcap and, and you're done. Like <laughs> that's so brutal. Yeah.
1: So basically, watch out for haws. Apply the same dread principle. Just the titans can still be mobile. They don't. I mean, they're not very mobile, but they aren't stuck in one spot like a, a dread is. So watch for the haws and don't get hit by a DD. That's the gist of that. Um pretty much yeah i mean that's that's it like uh i don't know it, it's kind of like a, gonna end your content to be quite honest you, you can't exist with the titans on grid but you just have to be very careful something you could do to avoid getting hit by the dd i've seen a couple of really funny videos come out recently where people use command SEs to kind of boosh out of their gang like out of the the beam of a boson which is kind of neat so uh, MJDS can definitely be effective, and also just keeping your speed up and getting out of the way. So,
0: yeah, and then uh, the last capital—do we talk about Roracles? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll touch on it in a little bit. Um, so, Battle Rorks are a thing. They can jump faster and further than other caps because of their bonuses to that. Um, they they rep they they can rep things well. They can local rep well, not like triage reps, but. You know, remote reps, but they can self-rep really well. They can use uh, like subcap drones quite well. Um, I guess that's really it. it. They're not too dangerous to have on grid, quite frank, frankly. When you're when you're small ganging, um, you know, if they're mining, they have their panic module. Also, I'm sure like a lot of people have experienced killing, trying to kill Rorcs. They are fairly tough to kill, not to not to crack. But as far as like something to watch out for, when a Rorq will signals signals onto your gang. Uh, I wouldn't really be too concerned. Yeah. So anything kind of to to top it all off, any of you guys want to kind of give a final statement on capitals?
0: They're just difficult to deal with in general. <laughs> be prepared to be flexible to to learn. Um, and you know, it's it's the reality that there's going to be situations that you're going to get frustrated by. And it's about how you learn from those times, right? That, that for me at least, determines whether or not I keep playing or if I end up, you know, getting frustrated and quitting, right? So it's, it's a, I don't have the control over how other people play the game. And... They have different playstyles and whatever, but I do have control over like my reaction and my ability to learn and try to develop new strategies to deal with those. And I think like a prime example is like Olmeca Om- Gold's uh, video on hunting Roracle, and it kind of uh, and their drones in particular in in delve. It really showcases this idea of there's this really powerful mechanic that's really frustrating to deal with. And then twisting that idea into how do I play this? How do, how do I turn this into my game? And, you know, creating a new strategy for, for attacking that mechanic. Um, so I think that's like a key takeaway for me, at least, in some of those situations I get frustrated with. Just walk away and then come back and be like, all right, what can I learn? What, what can I do differently? Um, how can, you know, me or my, my group improve in the future?
1: And it is really rewarding, too, when, you, when you're, when you like, you know, you're using defensive saber bubbles to, you know, to drag people off to keep the fight going, and you do, like, isolate that one capital and kill it underneath a bigger group's noses. It's very rewarding. So I will say that. All right, with that, uh, we have a, a listener question we're going to hit really quick, and uh, I'll just go ahead and read it out. This is anonymous. He didn't want to be named, so we're not going to name him. Uh, so his question is this. My PvP experience is very limited, and I fly logistics for medium-sized 15-30 to player NPSI and Null Roams every other weekend with a regular FC that also multiboxes scouts. The spirit of the fleet is rather loose and relaxed, and targets are called, and general strategy is provided, but pilots are mostly left to their own devices. Uh, So he means they don't really anchor up and end F1, so they kind of fly their own ships. So given this environment, do you have any suggestions on how to deal with information overload that that comes with grids of up to 100 pilots? He is quickly overwhelmed and loses track of the fight when he's confronted with identifying threats, orientating his ship on the battlefield, as well as looking at broadcasts and FC commands. So when do you guys want to take that?
0: Um, I think when I... Find myself in situations where I'm getting grid overload. The most helpful is to zoom my ship out. So I don't fly logistics very much. Um, but one of the biggest challenges for flying logistics is that positional awareness, positioning yourself next to your fleet, and and it, it will be challenging to then you know lock up armor broadcast, things like that, Um, but definitely by taking away the aspect of looking at your overview and instead zooming out your ship and just looking at what's around you in space and providing and just just looking at, um, you know, the immediate threats of your positioning, I think that takes away that overload of trying to like parse your overview in your brain and be like, what ships are there? Oh my gosh, there's so much. Um, and and then also sorting your overview by distance and not necessarily by type. That's pretty key. Um, if you are flying logistics, I don't think I ever really have enemy ships on my overview. I think I have an overview tab that's just fleet mates. Um, and that's that's, again, for that, like, there's information overload so it's really important to try and uh, only focus on the key information that's really important Um, if you're a tackle pilot you know I think that when you realize that there's a 100 ships around you and your role switches from that of tackling a primary to staying alive I think zooming out your ship um, and just looking at grid again provides so much of that clarity you're only focused on the most important priority or the biggest threat. And that's what, uh, then as you get more experience with that, you can start, you zoom out, you're like, okay, you take a quick stock of the situation, you see what ships are nearby, and then you can zoom back in or look back to your overview and say, okay, I'm, I'm in a good position. Um, we're, you know, we're relatively stable. Now I can focus on overview again. And I think that's kind of like a key to getting used to that and and then limiting your your overload uh, later on down the line
1: yeah man i, I agree with that i'd also add uh, setting up your your user interface well so Use hotkeys for your reps since you're flying logistics and set up your uh, interface really well so that when you're kind of glancing around at the screen, your eyes aren't having to move like from one side all the way over to the other just to see a useful piece of information. It's maybe more in your peripherals, things like that.
2: Yeah, I think the key is just to focus on your positioning. Like, Don't worry too much about the overview. Or like how many ships are on the field. Like generally you just wanna try and stay in like optimal range of your flea and position yourself so that uh like your flea is between you and the the enemy ships for the most part.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh I did mention earlier we we're gonna talk about useful alts for small gang, but uh we had a lot to talk about and we're running a little long, so we're gonna cut that out till next episode. Um so yeah, if you if you wanna hear about useful alts for small gang, definitely tune in next episode, and we'll kind of just move into our outro part of the segment now. So, uh, for the outro, we want to really shout out a commentary vid that AP put out. Uh, we shouted out his vid a couple episodes ago for when he did, as lo- as well as with with a Nith's commentary vid. So in this one, he's flying a, uh, a 10MN Phantasm with an extra-large Ansel shield booster. Pretty cool fit. Uh, get some good fights, and you can hear his commentary. So we'll have a, lid to a-, a link to AP's uh, video in the show notes, and then let's just kind of get into like uh, a story, a story time kind of fight segment. So, Satonia, so why don't you start us off? Did you have any like interesting fights you want to talk about, or or experiences?
2: I haven't played too much in the last week or so, unfortunately. I'd say the uh, the most interesting fight I had like about like two to three weeks ago was uh, just like uh, I think uh like flying a sentinel in Delve during sort of while goons were deployed. So this is actually about six weeks ago. But it, it was just like super fun. Uh I, I think I ended up getting something like a hundred kills. Or uh, well, yeah. Uh hundreds hundred assists I should say on my Sentinel, which was super fun. It's like really fun flying uh flying a sentinel.
1: Just kinda of zooming around, you know, putting drones on things and Nudging off things coming at you that are like dangerous. I imagine that kind of gameplay.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's like uh, fun because like there's so much that you that you're thinking about all the time. Like you think about nudging people. You're thinking about like where's the best place for my tracking disruptor. You're thinking about your positioning. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's like a a fun ship. It's like definitely one of the, like harder uh, ships to fly.
1: Yeah, cap management would be big too. There, I imagine.
2: Oh yeah, I was, I was just flying a, I was flying a uh, cap battery fit like uh, MWD medium shield extender tracking disruptor with a uh, Falco small battery and uh, standard mind flood, and it's uh, perma stable
0: with three uh, A type reps.
1: Oh jeez, that's awesome. So
0: I lost a legion, but <laughs> I wanted to like kind of talk about it because it, I after reflecting on it, I realized. The reason i lost my legion was a a large part in due to blackout and i've been very happy with blackout and even this situation i'm very happy with having lost my legion in part because of blackout so what happened was i was harassing a group in i don't even know where uh and basically i'd been out there for like a couple days so I was not with our normal group, and I, I wasn't in the hole, and I was out in a cloakie legion. So it's really meant towards in just individual roaming and and kind of like solo wormhole or or uh, or nulsec pvp. And um, but we got a nulsec near ish me, and so I started making my way back, and I met up with the group, and I met up with the group after they had fought already a little bit, and they were actually extracting while a group of fraternity was chasing them. And what happened is I got there and we start leaving and I did not understand what my group was doing. I thought that they were positioning to take a fight um, where they were positioning on grid, but they were positioning to leave. And even though I was in this cloaky legion, right, I jumped through a gate and I cloak up on grid and in my head I see that they're about 50 60k off and I go okay we're positioning for a potential fight and I decloak and I start burning out there and in my head what I had was I thought maybe three enemy ships had jumped into system but it was in reality it was like 12 enemy ships had already jumped into system and held cloak and looking back, if I like knowing in local that I had just seen plus 12, I would have never decloaked, and and I shouldn't have decloaked anyway because I just misread what my my group was doing and, and hadn't communic I hadn't heard that communication, but um but yeah, just thinking that okay, there's probably only like three ships, and if they do tackle me, my I can either deal with them or my group can deal with them, and then all of a sudden I'm just being run down by like I think it was a jaguar came at me first, and I was like, no worries, I got rapid lights, I got drones, I can deal with this jaguar, I, you know, I got newts, and uh and then like all of a sudden other stuff starts decloaking and there's like a broadsword drekovic, and like you know all uh, and all kinds of stuff just suddenly piling onto me and I, I just realized i was like oh like i i just misplayed this and you know with the absence of local um i i definitely erred here and that's like on me um and i so yeah even though it was just a straight up loss i i really thought it was a great showcase of how blackout um was helping that null set group in that situation and also just you know even though i was not the beneficiary of blackout in that and and not having local it provided an opportunity for me to make a mistake and then learn from that experience so i thought that was really good that i wanted to share
1: all right well uh much like Satonya, I've been really busy and haven't been able to play too much as well. You know, summer, that kind of thing. But I have been poking out a little bit here and there when I can get on. And uh, one in one fun roam I was on with uh, just me and another guy, Kate, who's in a, a web arty Loki, and I was in a retribution. And uh, we went around and fragged. Like a, we killed a blingy Orthrus, followed by a Stradios, And just we had some really good engagements. They don't show too well on the VR because... Um, other stuff didn't die, like we didn't die. Well, he did eventually, but in these <laughs> earlier engagements, <laughs> uh, well, he we, did eventually. I well, didn't we. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> we uh, so, you know, it doesn't show. It only shows the ships that were were dead, and we didn't lose any ships, so you can't see their whole fleet. But yeah, we fragged this Orthrus, and just good communication between the the Retri pilot and the Loki, and it was really fun. And then another night I took out my Ikatursa, which I have firmly decided now that the armor Ikatursa is not for me. Uh, I, I prefer the uh, like nano-y armor Zealot uh, for that kind of role of a hack that plays in nano gangs. But uh, the reason I don't like the Ikatursa is just be, even with snakes, it feels too slow for me. It's uh, like slow to gain speed, slow to maneuver. I pulled off one of my tank mods for a nano, and I still don't like the feel of it, so... I'm gonna try out a shield fit. You guys will hear maybe in the next few months of me experimenting with that. But uh, armor icky is not for me. Sad day. Yeah, and the damage like I'm sure there's a place for it, but it starts off way too low, spools up too slow. So I'd much rather have like the you know benefits of being able to switch crystals instantly in the zealot and apply like my beeb zealot and apply from long range with with long range ammo's or load multi and wreck face up close. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, any, any shout outs, guys? Anything you want to just uh, kind of end with here, Satonia? Anything you've got going on in game that you want to talk about?
2: Uh, I don't have anything specific in game that I want to talk about, but there is actually a, uh, an Eve meetup in the UK that's happening on the 25th of uh, August, which is a uh, Sunday on the bank holiday Monday, and that's in uh, Nottingham. And uh, I guess I I put a link into the show notes. Maybe you can copy paste it. But if you're in the UK and you're around, it would be cool for people to show up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, guys, check the show notes if you're interested in that uh, Nottingham uh, meet. All right, guys. So with that, remember, it's not the size of your gang.
0: It's how you use it.